Here's what's coming up on today's show. And it takes an entirely different set of skills to get you not just to retirement, but through it. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he can be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. We're glad to have you back on the Retirement Power Play podcast. I'm Ben George alongside Tim Dyer over at Dyer Wealth Management there in San Diego. Tim, I know with over the past year, it's kind of been a very up and down year, and I'm sure it's, it's had a lot of people thinking about whether or not they're with the right advisor, right? I mean, uh, pretty much everybody's had some negative results, but maybe there's uh, just been maybe uh, an instance or two that maybe had you thinking a little bit more about, hey, is the grass greener on the other side? And, and I'm sure you come across this, right? People that are maybe coming to you to pick your brain a little bit on whether or not they're in the right spot. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting topic because, um, you know, there's a reason people wonder is the grass greener on the other side. Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. So I guess we can look at a few situations maybe that you're thinking of, and uh, I can tell you kind of how that might shake out from from my vantage point. Yeah, I want to share a few scenarios here, some issues that might come up that might have somebody thinking about whether or not they need a new advisor and get your feedback on whether, whether that is the case or not. Maybe it is uh, a chance for you to maybe look at a new um, partnership or relationship there, but maybe you are in a good spot already. So all right, this first one here, Tim, um, your advisor makes a mistake. And maybe he even admitted it or she admitted it and it cost you some money is a, a single mistake. And it maybe it, it depends on how much money it cost you maybe, but is a single mistake worth you looking elsewhere? Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, mistake could mean a few different things. Um, so we can kind of, let me think about that for a second. First of all, if, if an advisor makes a mistake and it costs a client money, there are certain scenarios where that client, or excuse me, that advisor is probably liable. We carry something called E&O insurance, errors and um, omission um, for things like that, because sometimes mistakes happen, but you, you, you certainly want to make sure that isn't something fraudulent or, or what whatnot. Now, under mistakes, you could have advice, you know, maybe the, the advisor wasn't as skilled in a specific area, and he gave some maybe blanket advice that that turned out to not be the, the best alternative, which could have cost some clients money, maybe through an investment decision or increased taxes. Um, you know, we, we see that quite a bit. Um, now, I want to preface, I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I've been in the business a long time, um, you know, a couple decades here. And I, a lot of my friends are in this industry because we've worked together maybe at different places. Mm-hmm. And, no matter where they are, these aren't bad people. I mean, I, you know, I don't know any advisor in my uh, circle that gets up and says, geez, how can I, you know, harm my client or make their life worse, right? Um, some of them have different level of uh, skills, credentials, and whatnot. But um, I think at a, at a minimum, you know, there's a certain level of integrity that, that comes in this business, especially when you're talking about money. But I will say, as, as somebody that really specializes in retirement, retirement income planning, um, you know, people that are transitioning from getting a paycheck or that accumulation phase to the distribution phase, not everybody in the financial services space is qualified to do these types of things. In fact, most people cut their teeth in the accumulation phase. Maybe they get really good at picking investments. 
uh, or whatnot or, or, or helping clients that are just accumulating and it's just, you know, grow, grow, grow. Um, but as we say in our, in some of our live events, it's really not just getting you to retirement, but it's getting you through it. And it takes an entirely different set of skills to get you not just to retirement, but through it. Let me give you, um, switching gears a little bit on, uh, on mistakes. <laughs> we could talk about this for the entire show actually, mm -hmm. but uh, I had recently met with somebody that had a very large, uh, concentrated position. Okay. And what that means is they, uh, I'll just use a generic term. They had, you know, uh, a few million dollars, $5 million in, uh, Apple stock. Okay. Yeah. Not a bad stock to have. Right. So we all know about diversification and its merits, right? Don't have all your eggs in one basket. But sometimes there's a reason why a client has so much in a specific company. Either they work there, maybe they inherited shares, um, and, and there's really big tax ramifications around that, okay? And so uh, I had met with this client because she had met with another advisor. He had talked about the benefits of the diversification, and day one, after she became a client, he sold all the Apple stock and, you know, re redeployed the money into different strategies. And I'm not saying that those strategies were good or bad. Um, but, you know, she got hit with a million dollar tax bill hmm. and, and, and had no idea. Okay. Now, now, this particular client that had this Apple stock wasn't necessarily a very sophisticated investor, pretty new, and as she had inherited some of this money. But, uh, you know, I just, I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe that, that the advisor wouldn't have mentioned the tax consequences, especially because the dollar amount was so big. Um, so that's one of those things. It's not a retirement-specific skill, but, you know, if your advisor isn't even cognizant enough to do that, grass is greener. <laughs> you know, look, look somewhere else. Right, right. Um, and that's how when we met with her, you know, we got that cleaned up and, and, and got her straightened out. But um, so I, I'll fall on my sword here a little bit. <laughs> we were talking in our last episode about uh, our, our year-end client meetings. I had one last night with a great uh, new, newer client, and uh, I won't mention the name, but uh, they, they came in and uh, we were talking about some year-end uh, strategies and some things around Roth uh, conversions. And they had some money in a bank account and they were talking about, okay, well, if we put money in a Roth IRA, do we do that from the money in our bank account or do we do that from the money that's in their IRAs? And um, they, have, they have high income, so they can't contribute from that bank account directly to the Roth because there's certain income limits that go with that. Um, and, and the, you know, the rule of thumb with that, Ben, is basically if you can afford to do it, you're not allowed to, right? <laughs> because uh, the thresholds aren't aren't that high but um yeah. i for whatever reason maybe a long day it was just in my mind that i was talking about converting from the uh retirement account because uh i said well you can do a backdoor roth which means you put money you take money you put it in a traditional ira where there's no income limits for a non-deductible ira contribution Right, you put money in a in a non-deductible IRA, and then you immediately convert it to Roth. And he said, "Yeah, when you convert that, you know, you got to pay the taxes." Because just for whatever reason, in the back of my mind, I was still thinking it was the conversion from an IRA. She said, "That seems weird, you know, to take money from my bank account that I've already paid taxes on, put it in an IRA, and then pay taxes again." And mm -hmm. 
I, you know, I just got so <laughs> pig-headed isn't the word, but I was, I was sort of drawing it out, you know, and say, look, the money goes from here to here, and then when it goes from here to here, it gets taxed. But my reptilian brain just hadn't substituted that it was from a, their taxable account. I still thought it was their IRA, and uh, I had to fall on my sword that night. I was in the middle of dinner. My wife had ordered pizza, and I'm sitting there, and I just put the pizza down, and I ran in the other room, and I just called the client. I said, I was completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I go, you were talking about your taxable account. Uh, and, and she kind of chuckled about it and said, well, thanks for getting back. I said, you know, I, you were totally right. I was not thinking the right thing. So, um, hey, let's call that a mistake. Yeah. I think it's, um, look, I, I've been around a long, long time, as I said, but I, I don't, you know, there's always um, things that, that maybe need to be looked up or checked or verified. I used to know every single dollar that you could contribute in all the accounts and what the you know, I don't memorize it as much now. I just double check it. You know, the IRA contribution for this year is X. And okay, if you're over 50, it's Y. Um, you know, I, I've got a pretty good hand on that stuff, but I'm not arrogant enough to think like, I just double check uh, the, the different tax tables or whatnot. So yeah. um, advisors make mistakes. People, humans make mistakes. Uh, it's okay, but um, we really want to be cognizant of, you know, whether or not it's something that uh, they can admit and whether it's something that you as a team, you know, yourself, the client and the advisor, are you a partnership where you just, you know, sort it out and move on? Or is it something that's adversarial? So gotcha. that's all I got to say about that, Ben. Okay. Well, what about in a, a business that gets too large, right? Where maybe I'm working with you, Tim, we got a good relationship. I get to meet with you a couple of times a year, like we talked about in our last episode. But let's say you expand, you get bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden I find myself talking to maybe one of your associates and not talking with you directly. Do you feel like maybe if you're getting outsized, so to speak, uh, that it's time to maybe look mm. for someone that you can work with more directly? Yeah. Okay. So that's a good one. Um, first, first of all, everybody's business, you know, they're trying to grow. Um, and some people are trying to grow at all costs. Some people are trying to grow intentionally like we are here um, where, you know, we make sure every client is served appropriately. Now, okay. So <laughs> there's a couple of things I want to chat about this. What's interesting is, in the industry, and I'll just say financial services as a whole, clients or prospective clients, or I, I should say investors, they don't know how to delineate. They don't know what metric to use when judging or you know weighing um, whether an advisor is good enough. So in some cases, it might be, hey, do they have this credential like the CFP, right? I actually don't. I don't have a CFP. I, I went through all the examinations uh, or all the, all the prep and whatnot classes that you have to take ahead of time. And the, we had a family emergency the uh, week that I was supposed to take the exam. And I, I wasn't able to sit for the exam. A bit of a tangent here, but when I got back, I, to sit for the, the next one, it was six months later, and I, I didn't get around to doing it that time. And, you know, that was 10 years ago. The irony is that I've probably... Uh, been a part of more financial planning engagements than most CFPs. Now, <laughs> I can't, you know, justify that, if you will, numerically. But as some, you know, a lot of the CFPs are right out of school. They're actually getting their degree in school. So just because someone's a CFP doesn't necessarily mean they're as experienced or better than somebody that isn't. Um, but it, it's, it is a, um, a rigorous process. So there is some merit to what people learn doing that. Um, the other thing is, we say businesses have grown. A lot of advisors say, well, our firm is, you know, this many millions or this many billions. Um, 
Well, that's great, you know, and if, if you're comparing a billion dollar firm that has 50 advisors to say a hundred million dollar firm that has two or one, you know, how does that stack up? You know, you, you may be getting a lot of individual attention from one of the 50 advisors at that billion dollar firm, or you may not, you may just, you know, be a number in their big system that depending on what the uh, issue is that arises depends on who you get on the other end of the phone. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the, you know, it, it's hard to sort of make a blanket statement about that. It really comes down to, I think this goes back to the original question. Who are you dealing with? Um, it, who's sitting in the advisor seat? Is that somebody that you're going to continue to deal with? Um, you know, maybe there's another person there that's handling the, the administrative stuff. I know in our business, uh, that's the case because I'm really bad at that stuff. Um, but the people here that handle that are very good at that stuff. Um, but having some clear communication on, uh, on who's doing what is important. So bigger isn't always better. And I would argue that in a lot of cases, bigger or the biggest probably isn't <laughs> better. Right. And that's just an opinion. Yeah. Um, because now you're talking about a real enterprise organization that's got a lot of um, different moving parts. And you, th those are the people that we tend to meet with that say, you know, I just feel like a number. Mm -hmm. um, here we work with about 60 families. People are kind of surprised. And I say, surprise, does that seem high or low? You know, <laughs> um, Some people say high, some people say low. But we, you know, we've got a very interactive, hands-on approach with our, you know, select group of clients. We can't be all things to all people. Um, whereas somebody at a major firm, I'll just use the name generically, like Merrill Lynch, each one of those advisors might have 800 or, or 1,500 clients, you know. When something happens, how, you know, what number are you, Mr. Jones? Are you, are you number 10 or are you number 1,462 that, that gets right. the call? I mean, yeah, so... Um, Sometimes the grass is greener, and sometimes it's it's the smaller patch than the bigger field. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about this situation? Because I know a lot of people, when they get close to retirement or just at some point in life, decides to move. They move out of state. So mm -hmm. if I decide to leave California and work with you, is it be am I better off maintaining that relationship? Let's say you're very happy with your advisor. Or are you better working with someone that's close to you that's more local? So I think the baby boomers are, are split on this. Ten years ago is totally different. The, the boomers would say, I want somebody down the street, look them in the eye, shake their hand and all that. Um, and that's really a, part, a big part of the business that I, I grew up in or started it in. Um, but I got to tell you now with technology, Zoom, you know, COVID pushed all that. We all know that. Um, a majority of, I'd say over 80% of my client meetings, probably higher now, um, are virtual, you know? Yeah. Clients are, you know, they're sitting on their couch and they've got a nice cup of coffee and the dog's sitting next to them and they're looking at their computer screen and we're having a chat. And if, uh, you know, it works. Um, and I do a lot of meetings from my house. I got two young boys and I'll be in the middle of... <laughs> just discussing something with a client and then boom, that door opens and here comes Luke and Easton and it's, you know, all heck breaks loose, but we're people. And uh, as long as we can solve the client's problems and address their concerns and, you know, do what we say that we're going to do, you know, some of that other stuff isn't such a distraction anymore. 
I don't, I don't need cufflinks to prove to somebody that uh, what I know uh, that I know what I'm talking about. Good point. I can do that in a polo shirt if I need to, which right. I usually do from the golf course if you need to. From, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, one more one more scenario then for you. So this is one that's going to probably hit close home for a lot of people is. The market's crashed. I've lost a lot of money in my portfolio. Do I need to go ahead and change advisors? On the surface, eh, I'm not going to say it depends, but okay, it depends. I've always had this mantra that is markets do what markets are going to do. The investments that people select most of the time execute or behave like they should behave in different scenarios, right? Just because your portfolio is down or crashed, as you said, uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's the portfolio's fault. That portfolio um, might be highly tied to the market. Maybe it's in all stocks. And when the market goes up and down, you might have invested in it at a point right before it went down or down a lot, to, you know, crashed, as you said. And uh, you should have been, you know, you should be aware of the risk associated with that. I think that's one of the things that I actually do to a fault. I mean, I really break down a portfolio with clients and I say, you know, this investment is supposed to do this. <laughs> this these three investments here are supposed to generate income for you. And we anticipate it's about this. These specific investments are designed to, you know, protect or preserve principle. And because people, you know, when they look at their statements or they look online or through our client portal, there's just a lot of tickers and names and things like that. And they all they can all get cobbled together. And some people are pretty familiar with some of them. Some people are not. But I really take the time to just say, hey, look, this is what these things are designed to do. And, um, and I think clients get a lot of that clarity. So getting back to the question, if, if your portfolio is down, um, I think getting some clarity around that, um, if, if your advisor isn't communicating that, with you or why or whether or not you know if the, if the market is is making all-time highs and your portfolio has crashed you know you could be in a uh, situation like the recent cryptocurrency or something like that that's a whole nother animal but i think the first question i would ask is do you feel confident that the you know pilot of your ship is is flying it appropriately and uh, are they communicating which is just as big a part uh, when when things change I've used the analogy before, man, you get on a plane, the pilot gives you a little heads up, we're going to have a little turbulence. You know, when it happens, you're a little less concerned about it. Or maybe even during, they say, hey, look, we've got some bumps for the next 15 minutes, let's tighten up the belt, and uh, we'll get on our way back to San Diego. Um, but, you know, if it comes out of nowhere, and then it happens, and you still hear nothing, well, you got a problem with that, because then people are sitting there going, is there even, is there anybody up there? You know, right. what's going on? <laughs> so, uh is the grass always greener? Um, you know, no, there's nobody out there with a crystal ball. Uh, but with that said, your advisor should be a a guide and a um, a resource for you, either proactively communicating with you about what's happening with your portfolio. But that portfolio when it was set up should have been communicating the fact that you understood, mm -hmm. you know, what it is and what the potential risks and rewards are. So. Well, for someone, Tim, that, that is maybe thinking about this and considering their options, do you welcome somebody in to, to get a second opinion, to, to have you sit down with them, to be able to give them kind of a, you know, an honest look and evaluation at kind of where they stand? Yeah, we have that service, um, you know, we call our second opinion service. And that's really where we put a second set of eyes on something. And maybe, maybe that's their tax return. Maybe that's their portfolio. Um, you know, it could be a variety of different things. And we... 
we have the ability to show them through this assessment where there might be some blind spots. Now, we don't just you know point out, hey, this is bad, this could be better. We want to make sure that they know, hey, look, these things right here are good foundational pieces, like build upon that success, you know, and here's some things that you might do. You could do this and you could do it on your own, or here's some things that we could do for you to maybe help improve your situation. Um, and we can have a conversation around that. And uh, people like to be informed. And that's something that's not hard for us to do because we're in this field every day. Um, and we can show people, you know, whether it's through our analysis or just our experience um, and some of our proactive planning of how people can really uh, improve their situation just with a second set of eyes on the same thing. Well, there you go. If you want to get in touch with Tim, you can always call 858-459-3937. Our podcast can be found at retirementpowerplaypodcast.com. You can always get in touch, too, with Dyer Wealth Management at dyerwm.com as well. All right, Tim. Good conversation as always. Grass is greener sometimes, maybe, but, you know, it's not always for sure. So thanks for the insight. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Power Play Podcast. For Tim Dyer, I'm Ben George. Take care. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dyer Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dyer Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dyer Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.